everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Pactum. I'm here again today with Pat Abendroth, and we are geared up and ready for an episode on being confessional. Being a confessional Christian. Yes. Mike, I'm almost geared up. I have two cups of coffee in front of me, as you can see, (laughs) and I'm doing a taste test. I have some Starbucks Cafe Verona and some Starbucks Pike Pike. Starbucks Pike Place roast. Uh, which one do you think is going to be better? Uh, I'm going to go. Wait, are they both a medium roast? Uh, I think one is ground coffee and the other is ground <laughs> coffee, and that's all I can see. I think Verona might be a darker one. Yeah, I think so. Go with the Pike's Place probably. I like light roasts. I'm. Is it true they have more caffeine? That's what I've heard. That's okay. what they what, say. What are you drinking over there? I'm drinking a Costco special. Let's see. It's Kirkland Signature brand, so you know it has to be legit. And it's, <laughs> Brewed by Starbucks. It is. Uh, it's a cold brew coffee, 100% Colombian. And I'll tell you, the taste is not fantastic, but this thing will light you up. Okay. So, I need that. I need to be lit up a little I bit. I bought it for the musicians on Sunday mornings a while back, and we were all bouncing off the walls, so I use it when I really need the pick-me-up. <laughs> so the mosh pit at church on Sunday can be all that. It in, is. In yep. the rage. Do, they, do people still do mosh pits? I don't think so. Before we get into our topic today of what it means to be a con- confessional Christian or a confessional church, uh, we did receive something in the mail this week from one of our listening families. Yes. And so Landon and Kylie sent us a Machen Warrior Children t-shirt with Machen's face on the front of it. <laughs> How would you describe the hat? Uh, I think of... I don't, I'm thinking of the Flintstones and like when he goes to the lodge and he's got those horns coming out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I forgot all about that. Yeah. So it looks like a Viking hat yes, because he's a warrior. It. Yeah, it's a Viking. Yep. But he used to, what, what did he belong to, Fred Flintstone? Do you remember? Uh, I don't. Uh-uh. Well, maybe one of our listeners can help us with they that. They can help us out. So anyway, we're thankful for the t-shirt and uh, thanks Kylie and Landon. Very thoughtful of you. Uh, glad we can join in being Machin Warrior children with you. Yeah. Anything else we need to talk about? Oh, we did receive something, uh, some unsolicited marketing from a marketing company. Uh, apparently, they listen. So we have several listeners, as you said last <laughs> That's week. That's right, several. And they said that our, our listenership would go far beyond several, uh, and we would have a lot more people tuning in and a lot more traction if we only incorporated certain words. Oh, really? So they said we're supposed to say wounded whenever we possibly can. Okay. Uh, we should talk about our journey Mm. And there was one other word that they told us that we should incorporate on a regular business, uh, on a regular basis, and I can't remember what it was. So I think it's time to begin our journey. (laughs) And uh, if at any time during the episode you feel wounded uh, or something like that and want to share, maybe feelings was it. I can't remember. We (laughs) talked too much about faith and not enough about feelings. But thank you for that advice. We're really going to take that to heart. And uh, have a much, much broader listenership than we've had in the past. (laughs) Uh, On with our journey then, this episode. (laughs) So in the episode today, we want to talk about why it's important to be confessional. Some of our listeners might not even know what that means, what it means to be confessional. But what we're talking about is the significance of being Christians, first and foremost. But we want to be confessional Christians, and we want our churches to be churches that are confessional. And by that, we mean that we affirm, and what unites us, we affirm a historic Christian confession, a historic Protestant confession, we we might want to say, because there are different ones. So when we're talking about a confession— We're talking about something that we agree about as Christians, and so these historical Protestant confessions are things that 
churches and Christians have agreed about what the Bible teaches for many, many years. And so we want to talk about several reasons, several, of <laughs> why it's have, a good and important— Because we have important. several listeners, so <laughs> we're going to have several reasons why we would want to have such a thing. Right, right. Maybe it helps— uh, to acknowledge that we want to, this is really geared toward people who are in a like a Bible church kind of setting, uh, a setting where maybe they're not used to having confessions, and maybe they're not even, when they hear confession, they think Roman Catholic right. box with yep. a screen in the middle where you tell your deepest, darkest sins to someone who has no business knowing. Right. So we're not talking about going to confession, no. um, but we are going to a confessional, but being a confessional Christian yeah. and why that's important. It perhaps would help if I um, put it in the context of our new, in our new members class, we talk about what kind of church our church is. And so we talk about being a biblical church and we talk about why that's important. And that's kind of a no brainer for people. We also talk about being evangelical in the old sense, because we're a gospel church, gospel promoting, gospel defending. We talk about reformational, even though I kind of don't like the label, it allows us to talk about the five solas. And then we talk about being confessional. Yeah. And that's where some people, it really resonates with them and they're, they're on board. But more times than not, people who come to our kinds of church, mm-hmm. our, 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 our kinds of congregations, uh, that's, it's new for them. Maybe seven out of 10 times it's new for them. I hope we can change that over the years. But it really is important to talk through confession. To confess means to agree. In First John, if we confess our sins, yes. he who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins. So if we agree with God about our sin, he forgives us. If you confess to a crime, uh, you're, you're acknowledging, you're agreeing with the accusation, if you will. So confessional as a Christian would be what? To agree with other Christians about what the Bible teaches us. Yeah, what the Bible means by what it says. Yeah. So that, that becomes significant for us. We want to be in agreement with other Christians uh, from the past, the present, future. Right. To put it bluntly, we want to distinguish ourselves from being a cult. Yes. And if you're thinking about turning off this episode right now, maybe switching to another one of your favorite podcasts. What does a confession have to do with <laughs> right. me? What does this have to do with it me? It seems like it's a Catholic thing or something <laughs> right. like that. We do want you to know that Spurgeon says that a confession is an excellent thing. It's a great thing Say to no have. more. If you just so, add a Spurgeon quote Spurgeon. to a sermon or a podcast, and now all of a sudden people are paying attention. So we've had Machen give us five stars. Spurgeon's now giving us five stars. <laughs> so we're looking for forward to seeing the five stars from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Prince of Preachers, who was confessional and was definitely a proponent uh, of churches, congregations, utilizing Protestant confessions. Right. Yep. So let's get into the meat of things, Mike, and start talking about why it would be important to have a confession. Why would it be important for us as individual Christians to be confessional? Why would it be a good idea for a church, a congregation to be confessional? Why is it so worth prioritizing that we have a whole podcast on it? One of the first things we might mention is that holding to a confession expresses an amount of humility. Lest we think that we are the first Christians. And no one would actually claim to be the first Christian. Right, But if we reject any and all history and what other Christians have concluded about the meaning of the Bible, it sounds an awful lot, it could sound an awful lot like... We're the first Christians. We're the first Christians. And we're the first people to think through these issues, to discuss these theological doctrines, and to figure out what the Bible's teaching. But that's not the case. It's not the case, so it becomes really vital for us to acknowledge... Other Christians have thought through issues. They've shed 
blood sometimes, literally, yeah. uh, sweat and tears, trying to figure out what the Bible means by what it says. Right. So we're not trying to replace the Bible by being confessional, but what we are doing is writing down what we think the Bible means by what it says. Right. So a confession is not inspired, uh, but what it is, is it's writing down the, the meaning of the biblical texts regarding any particular topic. Right. So it's kind of like a systematic theology, Yeah. but at the same time, it's not because I can look at a systematic theology on my shelf and it will say Lewis Burkhoff. Well, that's his systematic theology or for all of our many, many dispensational listeners, you know, Charles Ryrie or someone else, uh, it has his name on it as a systematic theology. This confession is not that it it has to do with many Christians agreeing. And so one Christian doesn't have the right or authority to change it. Whereas Louis Burkhoff, if he were alive, could change it. This is what Christians in a congregation or a denomination or body would say, we all agree with this. Right. These, we all agree with these conclusions. So the humility factor is actually really good. Yep. When I say, well, I actually don't need any book other than the Bible and I don't need to therefore pay attention to history. I don't need any of that. It sounds pious and humble in one sense, and I've been that person, but at the same time, it is in effect, utter disregard for believers who've gone before us for the spirit of God working in their lives through circumstance. And so I don't want to be that person. I want to pay attention. What have the conflicts been? What have the the battles been? What have the controversies been true? It's once and for all delivered to the saints faith, according to Jude, Let's not continue making the same old errors right. if we can avoid it. Right, because it can help you avoid error, theological error, because you might see that, well, what I'm beginning to think the Bible might teach about a certain topic, it looks like, hmm, a confession helps me see that that's not the case. And they've fought over this issue, and they've clarified this, and Christians have confessed that this is what the Bible teaches for many years before. So it keeps us humble in that way. It definitely does. And it does remind me of our episode that we did on biblicism. Yes. Yep. This is in contrast to biblicism. So I don't want to rehash that whole episode. Right. But when someone says, I just believe the Bible, I don't have a creed, let's say, yeah. which is a little bit different, but similar. We'd say, well, everyone has a creed. Everyone yeah. has, if we, if you ask them what they believe about Jesus, was he, was he raised from the dead or not? They would say, well, he is raised from the dead. Well, do you believe in the Trinity? Yes. Oh, there you go. Right. So you you do have a creed, yeah. uh, but a confession has it written down and agreed upon uh, by a body of believers. Right. Now, Pat, when you mentioned systematic theology, you mentioned a few names you talked about, Louis Burke. I mentioned two, even <laughs> though we have several listeners, but who's paying attention? <laughs> so you mentioned two names, but that made me think about uh, another reason it's good to have a confession, and you alluded to this, um, but it helps us avoid the cult of personality. Reminds me of the In Living Color song. Do you know that song? Of course I don't. <laughs> you know it because I just played it a little you while do. ago, but... It sounded great. I, I think we could have a song for every single one of our episodes, even numerous songs, uh, but we're limiting our audience. We should get back to talking about things that everyone can relate to, like right. feelings, feelings and journey. And what was the other one? I'm feeling wounded that you're bringing up <laughs> music that I don't know. That's right. That's right. Uh, the cult of personality thing is a big one that we see. Uh, in fact, I sometimes have asked Christians, I don't do it very often, but who their favorite cult leader is. Mm. Or something like that. And they look at you like you're crazy and we are crazy. But it's interesting how we do end up saying, 
I believe like so-and-so believes sure. first and foremost, before we say, well, I affirm that historic confession. Yeah. I belong to this group of other men and women and boys and girls yeah. throughout history who have affirmed these doctrines. Instead, I just believe what, whatever so-and-so says. Right. And so we're not naming names on purpose so as to not yeah. offend everybody. Yeah. Oh, let's go ahead and do it. So I would imagine that Stephen Furtick uh, has followers <laughs> that don't listen to our podcast. Of course. They but do. they're welcome to. So because if they feel wounded, we do too. Yep. So we, we're, we're confessing this together. <laughs> but a lot of people, that would be a non-confessional church, I would guess. Right. I don't want to be um, slanderous, but I would guess. And so what he believes kind of directs the ship and runs the show. Right. So well then what happens when he changes what he believes? And then the people change what right. they believe or perhaps they've learned it enough from the Bible and they'll have to be confrontational right. uh, yeah. in some way or another. But oftentimes what happens is when the charismatic and I don't mean it in a theological sense, mm. uh when the persuasive leader yes. changes uh his view then the people change their views. Yeah. And that's that's very cultic. Yes, it is. So I've been a part of a church before where the pastor had a radical change in his view, and I thought he was right the first time, and then I'm confessing my own, I'm admitting to my guilt here, then all of a sudden I'm a fanboy, and mm. I, now I believe the new way, Yeah, which is not healthy, it's not helpful. If we can avoid that, and I, I want to be careful because I live in a glass house and I'm throwing stones, <laughs> but... We're thankful for change. We're thankful for progress, for progressive sanctification in people's lives. But if we start with a historic confession, we could avoid a lot of that. Mm. And we could avoid some of the cult of personality kinds of things. Mm. And no one wants to be a part of a cult. Right. So I think that could be helpful. Yeah. You know, one of the things that sometimes... You know, something that comes up when you talk about confessions is a little bit of pushback from some people saying, well, you're just setting the Bible aside, and you're only going to be talking about this confession. You keep talking about the confession, confession, uh, and they might bring up sola scriptura. So what do we say about why is it beneficial to hold to a confession, and how does that work with sola scriptura? Help us flesh you that out. You keep dropping Latin words on us, so you know um, I, you're channeling your R.C. Sproul, your R.C. Sproul. So we, as Protestants and children of the Reformation, definitely affirm sola scriptura right. that Scripture alone is the inspired revelation, the special revelation from God. Yep. We are all about that, absolutely, because of what the Bible teaches about itself. So when we introduce a confession. We're not saying it's special revelation. Right. So there's a huge difference there. Yep. So the Protestant reformers affirming sola scriptura were not saying we shouldn't have any other books. Mm-hmm. They were not saying we shouldn't have any other kinds of authority. Uh, but it, we don't have any more special revelation from God. We're right. not going to add books to the Bible, etc. And it is the confession itself that designates itself as different and distinct from special revelation. So reading here, the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down or necessarily contained in the Holy Scripture. Get this, unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelation of the Spirit or traditions of men. Hmm. So that's a great declaration about the sufficiency of Scripture, and that means a confession isn't even on the same playing field. Right, yeah. But what a confession does is 
it helps us because we write down what we think the meaning of the scripture is. Right. And so they're worlds apart. Someone did ask me not long ago who was in a membership class here. They said, and I, I was really thankful they asked it. So I'm not putting them down in the least. They were really trying to sort this out. And they said, so how does this make us different from Catholics who have extra books in their Bible? Hmm. And I was so glad yeah. that this person asked yeah. because what we're not saying this is inspired from God. Right. We're not saying we receive new revelation. In fact, our confession is saying that doesn't happen. Right. So I was glad that they asked, but what we're doing is we're writing down what we think the meaning of the Bible is, the meaning of the special revelation. Yeah. So confession certainly doesn't replace, certainly not on the same playing field as Scripture, but it does complement Scripture. It complements, but it's not even in the same zip code. Yeah. So we're talking about apples to oranges. Yeah. Uh, we're not trying to put it above the Bible in any way, shape, or form, but we're, again, expressing what the what we think, we, this group of people who agree, yeah. uh, what we confess together, we agree that this is what the Bible means by what it says. Right. So when we take the data regarding uh, the one true and living God who is eternal, who is eternal, and we believe in the Trinity, mm. all of a sudden now we're writing down what we think the Bible means by what it says. Right, right. Because the data is in Scripture, but it's not expressed uh, in those exact same terms that we express them in. Yeah. So, Pat, when you talked about the Trinity and writing down about the Trinity in a confession and describing what we believe the Bible teaches about our great triune God and what it means by what it says, when we write those things down in a confession, when we see them in a confession, there's an element of transparency there. I think so. And complementing that transparency is a level of integrity, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Let's let everyone see, this is what we believe the Bible means by what it says, and this is what we don't believe. So you can challenge us, we yeah. can debate the issue, but we're not hiding anything under the banner of, well, we just believe the Bible. Sure, yeah. So does every other heretic that tries to hide behind, right. we just believe the Bible. Right. So let's put it out there, and the helpful thing is then someone can say, oh, that's what I believe about that particular matter. Yeah. I can join with you. Yeah. Or I don't believe believe that I can argue with you right. or I can know I can just move on to another congregation because it wouldn't be a good fit. Right. So helpful for Christians as they're maybe looking for a church, if they've moved or looking for a different church in their area, they can see that this church holds to blank confession and I can know whether I agree with that or not. You yes. don't have to ask and dig and try to look behind the weeds and see what you can find. It's out there. It's open. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. And I can think of examples of professors, people, pastors who've hidden behind very lean doctrinal statements, let's yeah. say, mm -hmm. that aren't historically informed, and they're teaching all kinds of bad, yeah. and, and it ends up being a lot easier for them to do so. They're not being transparent right. with their doctrinal convictions. A good, robust, historic Protestant confession isn't detailed. You don't have to read 2,000 pages, sure, yeah. but it is detailed in another sense, and you're open and honest about what it is you believe about certain doctrines. Yeah. So for example, if someone wanted to come to Omaha Bible Church or got on our website and we're trying to figure out the church, they would, know, they would be able to know up front that we are not Arminian. Right. Yeah. We are committed to the active obedience of Christ, yeah. bodily resurrection. The list could go on and on, but at least we're up front and people can know the transparency is actually quite helpful. Yeah, I think so. Pat, before we go any further, I just noticed you've already downed an entire cup of coffee. Have you drank the second one too? I'm almost done with the second one, but 
Which one's the winner? Which who's, one's better? Who's paying attention? And now I'm confused about which one it was. Great. I think Pike Place is better. I told you. I knew it. I think you're just trying to distract me because I just heard your stomach growl or something. <laughs> did you not have lunch? What's going I on did, over there? I did have lunch. I'm trying to eat healthy these days, so my stomach's really like, come on, man, give me some more food. Give Be- me some Because junk. rumor around town is you're actually pedaling a bicycle. I am pedaling a bicycle. I don't ever go anywhere, but I sit on a bike, I pedal in my basement, and... I really enjoy it. Always it, learning and never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Is that like the bicycle analogy? You're always pedaling but I, I never going so. anywhere? It's so true. So how long have you been doing that? I've been doing it about two or three weeks. I really enjoy it. It's been fun. I, I was surprised that I enjoyed it. Pastor Mike Grimes has joined the cycling cult. I So I, mammals, middle-aged men in Lycra. <laughs> none of that going on. Yeah. He's become a mammal with the rest of us crazy people. That's right. Speaking of food, because that's what we'd like to talk about, uh, coffee, food, lunch, bicycles. I was shopping yesterday at the grocery store, and they, now at my local grocery store here, uh, it's a Kroger brand, and they have marinated tri-tip. Oh, for real? They do. So you might need to go to Baker's. uh, No way. Go get the marinated tri-tip. How about that? It's kind of a California thing. Yeah. So whenever I'm in Southern California, I always buy them at the Ralph's, which is a Kroger brand, I think. And I've even asked my store to get them. Oh, sure, we'll do it. And they never do. I bought three of them yesterday. So I cannot wait for dinner tonight. You single-handedly affected change at Baker's (laughs) in Omaha. You did it. So speaking of being confessional, and we agree (laughs) that tri-tip from Kroger is good... Um, let's, let's talk about the fact that when you deal with confessions, there is a limiting aspect that is constrictive, but there's also a freeing aspect that gives us great freedom. Uh, what do we mean when we're talking about it's limiting and constricting at the same time? And why would that be good? Yeah. When we use the confession in our own local church, we're able to use the confession and give it to leaders. And it's helpful because we're all agreeing about these things, about what the Bible teaches and what it means by what it says. But it also gives you the freedom as a teacher or leader of a ministry to maybe we say color between the lines. So constrictive in the sense that it gives us boundaries, but then freeing in the sense that it allows us to color within the lines, to be able to allow someone to teach in a ministry and say, here's the confession, stick within these boundaries and lines and don't go outside of it in what you're teaching. I think it's such a valuable thing for that reason. When it comes to, I've literally been a part of churches before where it was the unspoken rule that you you don't teach anything other than what the senior pastor has taught before, Mm -hmm. which is really it's paralyzing. Sure. Now, maybe it starts with good motives because we want to be unified right. and we don't want to cause division. Division is actually bad. And we get ourselves all wrapped up in having to follow the teacher back to the personality cult thing a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And it was, it was paralyzing. So now what we can do is say, here's where we are. Color within the lines, as you said. That's a good way to put it. Um, but there are boundaries. Yep. So on a practical level, our middle school teachers, our high school teachers, or any other teachers, we do ask them to color within the lines, uh, but there's great freedom in doing that. So it's very practical in the life of the church where we are, and it can be so helpful in that way. Which brings us to another reason why we would want to use a confession and encourage Christians to be confessional Christians, and that would be... Discipleship. Discipleship really is tremendously helpful for, for discipleship. It It was not intended for the academy. It's intended for the congregation. Right. 
And if you want to help people get up to speed without reading thousands of pages, you can help them with a confession like the one we're talking about. We keep talking about a confession. Uh, There are different ones depending on whether you're Lutheran or Presbyterian or Baptist. So confessions like the Augsburg Confession for Lutherans, the Westminster Confession for Presbyterians, you have the Belgic Confession for the Reformed community, you also have the London Baptist Confession. So there are different ones. But getting back to the discipleship aspect of the confession, I know I've even used the confession we have here at our local church with church members numerous times to go through it with them, to help them learn, to help them grow and understand what the Bible teaches. I have someone I've met with, and we've gone through it two or three times together. Super helpful in that way. And if we think historically, this is how the confessions have been used from the beginning of their inception. Imagine if you would, coming out of the Protestant Reformation, and you have all of these people that now have a Bible in their language— Uh, So many people would have the Bible now with a printing press, and yet they don't really know much when it comes to theology, and they do know that they think that Rome was wrong about justification and other things and its abuses, but now what? What do we do with this Bible? How do we understand it? Where do we agree with Rome? And where do we disagree? Yeah. Uh, where, because Rome deviated from being Catholic, yep, yep. Uh, universal, uh, lowercase c, and so, but they weren't altogether wrong in what they affirmed. So how do we decide as believers? Yeah. So confessions really helped Christians understand, oh, the Trinity is biblical. Yes, the Roman Catholic Church affirmed that, but it was Catholic before it was Roman Catholic. Right. So we affirm that, the humanity and deity of of Christ, we affirm that, bodily resurrection, we affirm that, the Bible, we affirm that as God's word, but we disagree over justification, we disagree over imputation, other important aspects. So it discipled people, it brought them up to speed so that they could understand that there is a law which is good, righteous, and holy, uh, but there is a gospel which is the good news about God providing salvation through the law keeper, the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't think of a confession as only for the clergy or only for the sophisticated. It really is helpful for all of us, for each of us, to understand what we think the Bible means by what it says. And it helps bring us up to speed so we don't have to spend our whole life trying to figure out all of these things from scratch. Pat, getting back to the importance of having a journey (laughs) from our wounded former state, (laughs) has Omaha Bible Church, have we always been a confessional church? We have definitely not always been a confessional church. I think it's an important question because some of our listeners uh, are in a place where they're at a church that is not. Maybe this is all new to them. Maybe uh, they're pastoring a church and they would like to be more confessional. And so we're going to offer a seminar uh, (laughs) where we can explain our journey. And it's just a one-time fee. Yes. One-time fee of... (laughs) Of of nothing. (laughs) So if you send us merch, if you send us special Machin Warrior things, uh, we'll, we'll give you some advice. To be perfectly candid, we were working on revising our doctrinal statement to make it more robust, to make it more theologically informed. And before you know it, you're potentially getting yourself into a lot of trouble because you're doing this on your own. Maybe you have a half a dozen people who have theological degrees, and that's all fine and good. But why try to reinvent the wheel uh, when it's probably going to be square? Uh, (laughs) Instead, is there already something out there? 
Right. Something like a confession. Uh, for example, you have, even with the Westminster Confession, which is not the one sitting before us, you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors involved yeah. and working over the course of years, uh, writing down what and fighting over what they could all agree to. Right. Yeah. Uh, because they had other things that they wouldn't agree to. But what, what's the bare minimum? that we can still have that's robust and significant and helpful, but we have to leave some of the stuff out. Mm -hmm. So why not utilize something that is already water under the bridge, time tested, uh, that we can be in agreement then not just with people in our congregation, but also in agreement with those who've gone before us historically that are in the line of the Protestant Reformation. So we chose to do that, uh, got leaders on board, And then I did write an introduction because it needed to be geared toward Bible church kinds of people. Sure, yeah. And we do tend to be biblicist kinds of people Mm -hmm. uh, for good and for bad, I think for bad. Mm -hmm. So just trying to bring people along and help them to understand why it is we're doing this. So whether you are a pastor or a church member uh, or not a church member, we think you should be a church member, (laughs) but and be supportive of the pastor and leaders, but at least... Look at the confessions if you never have before and think about them. And then maybe even pick up a book like Carl Truman's book, The Creedal Imperative, Mm. or John Fesco has a a smaller, easier to digest book that just came out not too long ago. You can look it up on Amazon. In the back of the Reformation Study Bible, uh, there's a place for the creeds and confessions. Mm -hmm. So that's a a one-stop shop where people can be introduced to these things. So, Pat, as we wrap up the episode, uh, we want to let you know that we'll go ahead and put links to the Truman book and the Fesco book on our show notes. And, Mike, can we also put a link in the show notes to uh, Kroger Grocery Stores Yeah, yeah. and something about Tri-Tip and maybe some grilling instructions? Online ordering you can pick up and enjoy. (laughs) And as you are checking out at your local grocery store, look at the attendant and say, I love me some Pactum, and they'll give you 25% off. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Pactum.